Hello, and welcome to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur, where Hayut Yogev speaks with entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs about reaching or missing the critical point of approaching the right customer with the right message at the right time and place. The point where business success starts. And here is your host, Hayut Yogev. Which Episode 180 Hey Entrepreneurs Witchers, how are you? We're at the end of the summer, probably the strangest summer most of us ever went through. The world has changed dramatically. And the scary thing is that we don't really know what the new world is going to look like. Everything is still shifting. What I do know that this time is probably the best opportunity for entrepreneurs to take the time and make their entrepreneurship the business they want to have. And in order to do that, I want to help you at this uncertain time. So I want to look for the entrepreneurs that affected you most by analyzing which entrepreneurs you chose to listen to most and what they stand for. The results are this podcast, talking about entrepreneurial marketing success, and the three successful entrepreneurs that affected you most are Guy Kawasaki, David Beebe, and Kate Erickson. And they talk about three revolutions that you must implement in your business today. The customers who are fans revolution, the social media revolution, and the broadcast revolution. The first entrepreneur that most of you chose to listen to is Guy Kawasaki. Guy was Apple's chief evangelist, and today is the chief evangelist of Canva. Guy's approach to customers represents the biggest marketing revolution, the customers who are fans revolution. That's what marketing gurus like Mark Schaefer and David Newman Scott write about today. Both were the first to understand the huge effect of the social media and content revolution at the time. Mark Schaefer wrote in his last book, Marketing Rebellion, about the most human company wins. And David Milman Scott and Reiko Scott wrote in their excellent book, Phanocracy, about turning fans into customers and customers into fans. Let's listen to the main parts. Of my interview with Guy Kawasaki. I'm very excited to introduce my guest today, Guy Kawasaki. Guy, what a pleasure and an honor to have you here with us today. Wow. You flatter me too much. It's, <laughs> it's my pleasure and honor. <laughs> Thank you so much. Guy Kawasaki is the chief evangelist of Canva, an online graphic design tool. He is a brand ambassador for Mercedes-Benz and an executive fellow of the Haas School of Business, UC Berkeley. He was the chief evangelist of Apple and the trustee of the Wikimedia Foundation. He is also the author of The Art of Restart 2.0, The Art of Social Media, Enchantment, and nine other books. Kawasaki has a BA from Stanford University and an MBA 
from UCLA, as well as an honorary doctorate from Babson College. Guy, you've done so much, and I wonder, how would you describe your story? Where did it start? How do you talk about how your career started? We know the stories, but how would you describe it? Well, believe it or not, my career really started in the jewelry business, uh, not, not a tech business. Uh, I started a part-time job when I was at UCLA getting an MBA. So I worked for a jewelry manufacturer in downtown L.A. It was a small a manufacturing company owned by a Jewish family. And that's where I learned sales and marketing. So I have a... I have a, a deep understanding and love of many things Jewish. <laughs> this are news. I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> how long have you been doing sales and marketing in the traditional world, which I uh, started in, of course, as well? When traditional world, you mean jewelry? Jewelries. Yeah, so I was in the jewelry business for about six years. Wow. I didn't yeah. Know. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the next step was really uh, Macintosh, or was there anything between? Well, I was in the jewelry business, and then I got an Apple II, and I fell in love with computers. So my college roommate eventually hired me into Apple. I worked for a small software company for about six months, but that software company was acquired, and the acquirer wanted me to move to Atlanta, and I didn't want to move to Atlanta. So that's when I made the switch from a small software company to Apple as a software evangelist. Wow. And have you been evangelist doing all your uh, stages since then? Or? Yeah, so I, I went to work for Apple as an evangelist. I left to start a company. I returned to Apple as Apple's chief evangelist. <laughs> I left to start a company. And basically, <laughs> I've been at Apple twice. And I've been an entrepreneur, speaker, and author since then. And who would you consider as your customers? You know, our podcast is all about customer focus and how entrepreneurs and startup yes. founders should find their biggest potential market. And I'm wondering, you're doing so many things today. Who would you consider as your targeted audience, your customers today? My target audience for Canva is anyone who wants to make a design, basically. So this means <laughs> essentially anybody in the world. Uh, we're, we're trying to democratize design so that anybody can create beautiful designs. And uh, yeah, that, that, that's a few billion people. Um, I hope people realize how necessary it is to use uh, design as an element of your communications because it helps you stand out. Are you at Canva really also focused on consumers, in the end consumers, or only professionally? Oh, no, anyone. I mean, if you are making a flyer for your Wedding. kid's soccer team, you know, <laughs> that's not a professional use per se, but... You want to have a great flyer, sure. It's, and anybody who posts on social media, it, it, just as a person as opposed to a company, same thing. Did you have any process trying to decide you are going to uh, focus on anybody in the world, you are going to focus consumers and, and customers, or you are just, you know, that's what you think all of you to do? Uh, no, I, I think, you know, from the very start, uh, the goal was to empower people. Just like when I went to work for Apple, 
the goal for Apple was not to make a business computer. It was to make a computer that anyone could use. And the same thing is true with Canva. It's not a tool that we make only for graphics professionals. It's for anyone to make graphics. Very interesting. Please tell us about your concept or beliefs on the way a startup entrepreneurial business should approach its customer. And give our listeners your best advice for their customer's approach and focus. Well, I, I think uh, you know, the, the crux of my advice to entrepreneurs is to, believe it or not, and this, this might not be a very common thing, is to make the product that you would like to use yourself and then hope that there are other people like you. Because I've noticed that people who do that are people like Apple and Yahoo and Google. Uh, these are all companies that they weren't marketing-driven per se, but they built something that they would like to use and come to find out many other people like them too. And this is not typical advice. Typical advice is you, you listen to your customer or you, you, know, you do something for the customer that you have in mind. And uh, I'm not saying that at all, actually. Yeah, it's really unique. I'm wondering, <laughs> I think that if Steve Jobs would have uh, proposed something or created something that only or he can use, it was much complicated. Well, I mean, no. Uh, I think Steve and Woz, when they first created Apple, they created the Apple One, and that was something that, you know, they and other hobbyists would want to use. And luckily, there were more than just the two of them. <laughs> yeah, luckily. So, so uh, again, I, I don't think this is common advice. No. It might not even be good advice. But, <laughs> but it's the advice I believe in. And that's the uh, way you look at things? You always... Yes, yes, yes. I, I, think, I think that, you know, if you create something for a theoretical market... Um, it's just not as passionate and not as good. I, what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> This is interesting. I like it. What is your biggest, most critical failure with customers? Do you remember any one of that? The one that affected your entrepreneurial journey the most? <laughs> can you tell us about that? Do you remember any failure with customers? Well, you know, with, with Apple, when we introduced Macintosh, It went through a very rough period, and that was because of a lack of software. It was because of uh, inertia with the MS-DOS platform. It was because there wasn't a killer app initially. So you could make the case that you know, something that is, I'm associated with as a great success, you could also look at it as a failure. It's just it depends on how you want to look at it. <laughs> And did you uh, experience during your whole time as entrepreneur, and you are an entrepreneur, uh, did you yourself experience such a failure with customers, something that you felt that you are approaching them wrong or doing something wrong? Well, uh, wrong is too strong a word, I think, for people to use. Uh, very few people, very few companies get it exactly right at the start. So my advice is not so much that you try to get it perfect as much as you get it out fast. And then it's less important where you start as much as how fast you can change from where you start. So if you have a pretty good prototype and you can revise it very quickly, 
I think that is the best case. The perfect prototype is just a theoretical thing that no one ever achieves, and uh, a horrible prototype where you cannot revise it is also a bad thing. Uh, the, the best case is a pretty good prototype, and you can change it fast. And um, do you remember any point of success where you really felt that you are... succeeding to talk to the right customers bring them something they need yeah well this you know I started at cannibal when cannibal was two years old but I think that from the get-go they had a very good prototype they, you know they truly understood that people wanted to create graphics who could not create graphics by themselves and canva has been growing like a rocket so you And I'm not, I'm not taking credit for that. I think the credit belongs to the founders of Canva, uh, Melanie Perkins and Cliff Obrecht. But they hit it pretty good right out the gate. This is actually called Guy's Golden Touch. So Guy's Golden Touch is not whatever I touch turns to gold. Guy's Golden Touch is whatever is gold Guy touches. <laughs> so this is a great advice. However, not all of us know to see it on time. So... <laughs> Well, I, I have learned in my career that it's better to be lucky than smart. <laughs> you are, you're really, um, you, you're saying I'm flattering too much, but you're really are considered as one of the gurus. However, is there any service provider like mentor, consultant, advertiser, someone that had a major impact on your life? career of your customer success and can be helped to others or you can just tell us about well certainly if, if you went all the way back in my career and I, I, I really do mean this that I learned how to sell and market in the jewelry business not in the tech business right. and yeah. and so that that came before tech for me and so I, I think everybody, Well, at the end of the day, there's only two real functions in business, and that is somebody has to make it and somebody has to sell it. So if you're not an engineer, you better learn how to sell. And <laughs> if you can't sell, you better be an engineer because everything else is bullshit. So and I learned to sell. I'm not an engineer. I learned to sell in the jewelry business. And I learned about trust because the jury business is fundamentally about trust. Um, I think every sale is about trust. Well, yeah. In, in that sense, I know what you're saying, but in the jury business, you know, you have to trust the person that on memo you're giving millions, if, you know, well, not always millions, but tens of thousands of dollars of diamonds. And... Uh, it, I really learned about trust and selling in the jewelry business really it was it was a fundamental factor in my success in life the jewelry business it's a beautiful story I didn't know that others still selling this um, family no business? no no and uh, not anymore and you know our customers were Tiffany and Bailey banks and Biddle and mayors jewelers in Florida uh, very high-end And we did a lot, you know, we bought a lot of loose goods out of Israel. This is my hometown. So It is, yeah. yes, yes. Um, so before we say goodbye, is there, and we talk uh, highly professional, but do you have any last 
piece of guidance to our listeners? Sure. So I, I think the best piece of advice I could give about customers is you should never ask people to do something that you would not do. So this applies to your customers, to your employees, to your vendors, to everybody. You know, if you won't do something, don't ask people to do the same thing. Uh, of course, this assumes you're not a psychopath, but <laughs> assuming you're not a psychopath, I think this is a very good moral compass for life. I think so, too. I take it. Yeah. And I really want to thank you. I had a lovely time with you, and I'm sure our listeners as well. Thank you. And thank you guys so much. Okay. Well, as we say in Japanese, Zeigesund. <laughs> this is the Yiddish one. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. The second entrepreneur you listen to most is David Beagle, who represents the broadcast evolution and talks about from Hollywood to the brand's marketing, it's the same rule today. Be customer-centric. David Beagle, Emmy-winning branded content producer, keynote speaker, co-founder, content decoded. Declared by Edwick as a branded content master who makes it okay to love marketing, and named by Edge as a top 40 forward thinker, risk taker, and rainmaker in marketing, Amy Wood and Cannes Leon's winner David Bibby, who founded and led the Disney ABC television group Content Studio and Marriott Content Studio, and produced branded content for Grey's Anatomy, Desperate Housewives, Ugly Betty, Lost, Scrubs, and Original Series for Showtime, DirecTV, Yahoo, and PBS, is one of the entertainment and marketing industry's most influential producers, brand storytellers, marketeers, advisors, and keynote speakers with real-world experience. David Vivi it is such an honor to have you here. Welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. I just shared with our listeners what you have done until now. And I would like to ask you to share with us what are you doing and most passionate about today and where are you heading? Well, you know, I've spent my career really in Hollywood storytelling and, and brand marketing and at that intersection. Uh, and I am passionate about working with brands and helping them really transform marketing into an organization and a, a strategy that helps win the hearts, minds, and wallets of next generation consumers with what we call content marketing, uh, branded content, or, or premium story-led content because that is uh, what consumers want. They don't engage with interruptive marketing anymore. And marketers really need to provide value. So uh, that's sort of my area that I operate in. And um, it's fun to uh, work with brands to create stories and, and create platforms that engage consumers globally. It is fun. And what made you um, decide to make this switch? Well, you know, I think it's it's always been um, storytelling has uh, been a part of my career from the beginning. Uh, sure. From working in, in corporations within marketing or, or the content creation units within there and, and working in television for 15 years producing 
television shows like Grey's Anatomy and Ugly Betty and uh, Lost, uh, producing all the derivative content, wow. so the webisodes, behind the scenes. That's storytelling, right? And that's sure. what consumers are watching. And so you go to the brand side and you apply that thinking of think like a publisher, think and act like a media company because consumers want content. They don't care where content comes from. They don't care who produces it. As long as it's entertaining and informative and or helps them solve a problem and it's valuable, it's totally fine if it's from a brand. In fact, they understand that brands need to advertise and need to market, but they appreciate when you do it in a way where your content, whether that you want to call it an ad, whatever that creative and content is, provides value to them first versus pitching them features and benefits. So what is the biggest difference that you see between marketing in, in other ways and your kind of marketing? Well, I think it's, you know, it's all the, you know, it's all the same, really. You think about traditional marketing is about pitching features and benefits. Look at us. Look at our product. How great it is. Here's what it does. And typically that type of marketing tends to be interruptive in nature, meaning it interrupts what the consumers are doing. That it comes in the form of TV commercials, banner ads, interruptive emails. It's not delivered at the right time and right place. So the change there is to you can still deliver content, but again, go back to the idea of deliver content that provides value first and entertains and informs the consumer versus interrupting them. So deliver it at the right time, right, right place, right screen even where it's providing value. And there's all kinds of other marketing, of course, and uh, we want, uh, you know, content marketing, brand storytelling should connect to all your other marketing you're doing. It's not the only type of marketing, but it should be a big piece of it. And it all works together. Hmm. You know, this podcast is all about customer focus. And I would like to ask you for the concepts or beliefs that you see about the way a startup or entrepreneur or any brand as well should actually approach its customers and give our listeners your best advice for the customer's approach and focus. Yeah, I think, look, we live in a world today where the you know, customer is king essentially, right? Sure. Uh, your customers, your consumers now control when, where, and how they interact with your brand. They also control what they think about your brand. Um, and brands and companies are not in charge of the message anymore. And it goes back to that experience that you provide customers. That is essentially the brand, and that's what people are going to talk about. And content can actually play a key role in, in helping uh, have a better experience with your brand, regardless of the type of company it is or the size of the company it is. And so when you talk about customer experience and customer focus, all brands, all companies need to think consumer first. How is this benefiting the, the customer? Even looking at the process of all your content communications with them, is, you know, is it easy? Is it not uh, essentially self-centered on the brand itself and actually providing value? all the way to experiential brands, how can content help make that experience better? And if, you know, if they do have a bad experience with your company or brand, hopefully the content around it can help fix the problem that they had as well. My advice for, for brands, for companies, entrepreneurs, is you have to shift that thinking to think consumer first in everything you're doing, not just 
content, but the customer experience. And it's really challenging for entrepreneurs and, and business leaders to do that because they're, they live in their world every day, right? They live in their company. Sure. They live in their brand. And so it's hard for them to have that consumer perspective. Even when they think that they might, they do have it, it's really hard for them to take off that hat. And mm -hmm. so they're designing things from the inside out versus designing it from the outside in. And how are people experiencing my brand? What's the process? How's the content relate to it all? So the biggest thing is going back to what's the purpose of whatever you're doing and how's it benefiting the customer and what's that experience look like from the customer's view in versus your view out. I so agree. I always like to say that marketing is all about seeing the things from the point of view of the customer or the consumer right. since the money we are looking for is in their pockets. Absolutely. I want to ask you, you have a lot of successes, but I want to ask you about your biggest, most critical failure with customers, the one that affected your business journey the most. Can you tell us about this? Sure. I mean, there's, you know, there's so many, even with success, <laughs> uh, but that's, that's how you learn, right? And it goes back to sure. what I talked about was, how are you thinking about the consumer first? And so, you know, a great example is, uh, we and I worked at Disney ABC television group and we were, uh, preparing to launch original content online. You know, this is the year that YouTube came out and YouTube, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, there was at that time was uploading videos, very simple. And then people started recording videos and building audiences. And so, I worked at a big, uh, you know, the big company of, of Disney ABC and we were producers of television content and films and everything. And so we saw YouTube as, in a sense, a competitor of taking away views from traditional television, but also the creators that were creating content on there. We would say, Oh, you know, those are literally kids in their basements, right? What, mm -hmm. what do they know about creating content? We, we, we are the professional producers of content. There's a, system, a way that you do it. And so we produced, we ignored them, and uh, we went on to create content ourselves and put it on our players where, you know, at that time, they were very clunky players on the website and not a good consumer experience at all. That's an example of essentially being very self-centered from a brand perspective and, and not thinking what sure. the consumer wants. Now, look back today, those YouTubers who have created channels and their content are very, very successful. They've amassed audiences of several of them, 20, 30, 40 million subscribers on their channels, numbers that a network could only dream of essentially today, right? And they've become right. content creators and they have launched businesses that are million dollar businesses and a lot more than that, creating content and merchandise from it. So they've become the new media companies. Now, so, but right. we ignore them. So I would say in that way, imagine if we said, oh, Okay, what is this? How could we use YouTube? How could we partner with these influencers, these creators to test something? In that way, maybe there's an opportunity to actually like create like a test type of show and see how people react to it online before you invest the money to go do a TV show. So, but we didn't because right, it was it was so new, but it was that fear, right? And I say that sort of fear is a liar. But it's also something that mm. prevents you from innovation. And so that was something that, you know, in a sense, was a failure from a customer experience. And, and as an example, I've talked about not thinking consumer first, 
Uh, but what would have happened if we had partnered with them way back then? Maybe uh, we would have created new shows or been way ahead and been in a better position than a lot of the television networks are now. And do you have any example for feeling the failure or experiment the failure or just um, missing the opportunity? Well, I think it's, it's missing the opportunity because you are, you know, you're protecting essentially an outdated ecosystem, right? And a business. And that's where, you know, a lot of brands fail. And it goes back to that idea. That's one of the biggest challenges is getting people to think different and understand now how consumers are in charge and, and brands don't control it anymore. And that idea that, that's right. You know, you really have to change because if you, if you refuse to change or refuse to at least try it and explore and experiment you know you're not probably not going to end up in a very good place down the road and pretty fast and look at examples like you know blockbuster in the united states when sure. uh you know netflix came out and they ignored netflix and said oh sure. people are never gonna want to no one's gonna watch that stuff on you know you you, you want to go to the store and get your tape and they're not around anymore and so that idea of Whatever you do, whether it's a small business or new business, that idea to be open to experimenting and innovating and kind of creating these little labs in a sense where you can do that. I'm not saying you have to shut everything down and switch everything that you're doing instantly, but you do have to be out there, again, thinking consumer first, seeing what's happening sure. out there, learning about it, and at least trying it. Hmm. And do you have another um some additional example of really feeling failure um you know i uh i'm I'm sure there are of course there I'm are sure there are. <laughs> yeah. but I think you know I've been fortunate to work in uh large brands and other companies that have always uh afforded the opportunity to experiment. And some of them didn't move as fast as I wanted to, and some of them moved very quickly. So we were able to try new things. And, you know, another example of when, uh, from a technology perspective, and uh, when we launched the full episode player on ABC.com, so we were the first television network to launch full episode streaming online independently. So it didn't, you know, didn't go through iTunes. It, didn't, it was all through ABC.com. The technology we used to deliver the video uh, was a technology at the time that essentially took all of the, the content uh, and essentially chopped it up into a bunch of, of data to re-deliver it. And then it reassembled it on the other side of the users uh, on the computer system, which required the person to actually download a plug-in, right? And so yeah. – but it was really the only way at the time to actually deliver that – an hour's worth of programming, right? At, mm, uh, to yeah. the consumer at that time of streaming. So it was a, a, a challenge. Now, it was a horrible consumer experience, but it was the only way we could do it. Now, eventually that uh, evolved, and now it's completely uh, different and delivered without that. But it's, it's going back to that sort of you, you know, thinking, thinking what's the best consumer experience versus, hey, we just want to get this out there. Um, if you're, you could have the best product, the best service, the best whatever in the world. But if your experience, the customer's experience is awful at getting it, they're going to, they're going to turn off and they're going to go somewhere else. They want the, we want the easy sure. button. Everyone wants the easy button, right? Give me sure. what I want, but I want it now. And if I have to jump, if I have to click one more time, if I have to jump through another hurdle, if I have to call three people, that's where consumers time is limited. And, uh, that's where consumers, you know, that, that's where they'll go somewhere else. And there is always someone else, another company, another competitor that will be out there that will do it better than you. 
So mm. that's where you stay on your, you know, stay on the top of your toes and always innovating, always thinking. Love it. I want now to ask you about the biggest success. Ask you to tell the story of your greatest, most significant success as a result of the right customer focus or approach or something that you did right about approaching your customers. Yeah, I would probably talk about, you know, real-time marketing and uh, the content studio, um, what I call it, uh, at Marriott when I launched them called MLive. And really, they're brand newsrooms. And so picture 15 to 20 people sitting in a big uh, glass box, essentially like a newsroom with a bunch of screens, a bunch of computers. And what's happening in there is they're listening and watching a bunch of data come into the room, data that is public data, data that's coming from social media networks, data that is uh, their owned data, their proprietary data, essentially identifying opportunities to engage with consumers in real time. So the idea there is that very customer focused marketing is no longer Monday through Friday, right? Eight to five. It is always on. Consumers are always on. They're all, we're all creating content. And I think that brands need to be there not only to respond and engage with consumers around customer service, customer care, but also there's marketing opportunities for brands to engage in trending conversations around pop culture and news and be connected into, you know, what the conversation is at the moment and create content in real time. So that's called Brand Newsroom. And so we built five of these around the world and they're wow. staffed 24-7. And that's, that's what happens in the room. You've got content producers identifying opportunities to engage with consumers, not even your customers necessarily. Um, and listening to, you know, what's trending, what's happening across a bunch of different verticals and what's the opportunity for the brand to be relevant in the moment, in the zeitgeist of the moment, essentially in the culture. If the brand aligns with it, it's got to, you just can't jump into every conversation, right? But sure. that you're there, that you're relevant. And so that's really customer centric, right? It's thinking consumer first. Definitely. And, um, so those, like I said, are always on. Um, and there's a bunch of now other data and technology and things in there that uh, help brands connect with consumers in, in real time. So it's very, very, um, it's very cool. When you walk in the room, you've got social media, brand, corporate communications, digital teams, people from multiple groups working together. And I think that's one of the coolest things. And, you know, in a lot of big companies and even, you know, in smaller companies that are maybe your people are dispersed throughout different locations, people are coming together in one room to make decisions in real time. It's not about let's go have a meeting. Let's have a meeting about that meeting. Let's go ask Bob down the hall what he thinks. Everything's happening in the moment. And that's where we call them brand newsrooms because it's that idea of being there in the moment, being connected to the culture of the conversation and engaging with it. That's great. And it's exactly what you're talking about taking yourself to the customers, to the place yes. that the customers are, instead of staying in this room and trying to feed them behind the curtains. Right. Love it. Do you have any personal book that really impacts your customer focus and you can share uh, with our listeners? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, my, my favorite book and, and author and even speaker is, you know, Simon Sinek. And uh, his start with the why, right? His short speech he does in the book. Uh, he's got a couple of books out now. But that, that idea, uh, that's going back to consumer first, thinking what they want and starting with your why. What's that purpose? And defining that. 
And he talks about in the video and his books is that, you know, everyone knows what you do. Everyone, not everyone knows maybe how you do it, but very few actually know why you do it. Um, what's that purpose of your company, of your brand? So start with the why. What's your purpose? And people will connect to that versus sure. actually saying, oh, here's what we do. Aren't we great? Blah, blah, blah. And it's hard for a lot of brands to define their purpose. And that's where I go back with even content marketing and creation is start with your purpose. And if you can define that, you're going to have a much easier time building out that brand and that company because people are going to connect with your purpose. And then they'll engage with what and how you do it. It's also all about this uh, transparency that we are talking today and being authentic. Is there any specific book that you can recommend uh, our listeners to read? Yeah, so his book is Start With The Why. Okay. Um, and I think, you know, also, you know, that The Thank You Economy as mm. well by Gary Vaynerchuk yeah. is a great example. That idea that, you know, again, it is about giving value to the consumer first and give, 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 mm-hmm. and eventually you will give back, get back and create a value exchange. Sure. It's a great advice to end the conversation with. And before we say goodbye, I just want to ask you, what is the best way to contact you for brands, people? How do you suggest them to contact you? Um, you know, I, my website has a, has a great resource. There's a bunch of uh, blog posts I do on there and talks about workshops I do and keynote speaking engagements. So it's just my name, David BB. Dot com and uh, LinkedIn uh, is another great way to reach me. I, I create content daily on LinkedIn. Yeah. Going back to that idea of giving people value, so I do a lot of videos. I do a lot of sharing insights on there, and uh, LinkedIn's a great, great platform uh, to reach out to me on. So all of these links will be in the show notes and. David, I would like to thank you so much for coming. I really enjoyed this conversation. I'm sure our listeners will as well. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thank you very much and bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. The third and last guest, but not least, you were affected by most is Kate Erickson. Kate talks about the social media revolution and about how to use social media to find your perfect customer. It seems like the issue of social media is one of the main issues you were concerned about. And although this interview was first published three years ago, it is still one of three questions you entrepreneurs ask most. Let's listen to parts of my interview with Kate Erickson. I'm very excited to introduce my guest today, Kate Erickson. Hi, Kate. Hi, how are you? It's so great to have you here. Yes, I'm so excited to be here. I'm very honored. Thank you so much for the invite to be a special guest of yours. It is so exciting. Kate Erickson is a creator, engager, and implementer over at Your Fire, a seven-day-a-week podcast that interviews today's most inspiring and successful entrepreneurs. She is also the host of Kate's Take, the Your Fire audio blog and author of The Fire Path, a beginner's guide to growing your online business. Kate is passionate about helping entrepreneurs create freedom in their business and life through developing systems and processes that can help their business 
scale and grow. Kate, I just reviewed what you've done until now. Can you please tell us who your customers are today? And the story about how uh, you figured out who are your most passionate potential customers or consumers. Mm, okay, so for the business YoFire, our perfect customer, who we often refer to as our avatar, is a mid-aged male who drives to and from a corporate job every single day and who sits in a cubicle, who's not happy with the way that his life is, who comes home at night, gets to spend very little time with his kids and his wife, and then sits on the couch wondering, why is my life this way? Why do I spend most of my time going to a job and doing things that I don't like? And why am I spending so little time doing the things that I love the most, like spending time with my kids and my wife? There has to be another way. So the reason that we found that to be our avatar is because what we were able to provide that person is this inspiration and motivation from entrepreneurs who have created successful businesses, who have created freedom in their life so that the majority of their day is spent on things that they love and the very small portion of their day is maybe sometimes because we all have to do things that we don't love sometimes. Um, so, but we're trying to flip that script so that our perfect customer comes to us for that inspiration, for that motivation to learn how they can get out of that corporate job so that they can create freedom in their life to be spending more time with their family or whatever that freedom is for them. Now, how we figured that out in the very, very beginning, yeah. John, my partner here at YoFire, he was actually his own avatar. That was him. <laughs> yeah, so interesting to hear the story. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, that's how we first originally kind of came to that. And of course, there's been many iterations with that. We've learned a lot more about our avatar since we launched the business, and it's continuing to evolve. And of course, Hayute, as you know, that's not the only person that we speak to. Um, but I have, have a <laughs> no. feeling we're probably going to be getting into that a little bit more here. So, um, yeah. Yes, we are. And can you please tell us about your concept or your beliefs on the way a startup or entrepreneurial business should approach their customers uh, and give our listeners your best advice for their customers' approach and their focus? Mm-hmm. When you're first starting a business, and this is something that we focus on a lot in the training that we provide, the free courses that we have, the content that we have on our website, we talk about it a lot in our podcast interviews, is that you need to do things that do not scale. A lot of the times we start a business, we become entrepreneurs, and we're excited to get to this point where we have systems that are running our business for us, and there's all this automation and you know, we get to scale our time and do all these amazing things. That is going to happen in time, but it's definitely not going to happen in the very beginning. So you need to be willing to do things that don't scale. And as it specifically relates to speaking to your customers, being able to figure out who your perfect customer or prospect is, that requires one-on-one -on -one conversations, a lot of them. This does not scale. You are going to be using your time 
for free to speak with people who you believe are your perfect customer. And through those conversations, it's how you're going to get to be able to describe an avatar like I just described for our business. But until you go out there and have those conversations, until you can prove that what it is that you have to provide is going to help that individual person, you're not going to be able to start growing an audience and provide value to a customer base because you're not going to know who they are. So those one-on-one conversations are so incredibly important. And I think a lot of people skip it because they're so focused on scaling their time that you have to do things that don't scale in order to grow your business. I so agree with you. And I must say that a lot of times our customer is not exactly who we are. We are not our targeted audience. With John, he was his targeted audience, so it was exactly the same avatar, and it was exciting to hear that you're talking after four or even five years, it's still the same avatar. It's really exciting. Although for a lot of us, me included, the customers are not exactly ourselves. They are different, so the issue of talking with them is so important. The issue of going and learning much more about them, it's so important. Mm -hmm. I do agree with you. Kate, um, what is your biggest and most critical failure? It can be either on your fire, but it can also be in other stages of your life. Actually, you talked about being in marketing and advertising. We are sharing this point, of course, in our past. Oh, any other stage, the one failure that really affected your entrepreneurial journey the most. And please tell us the full story of that. Mm. Okay, well, let me go ahead and take you back to my days of marketing and advertising. And if you can envision this, I was an account executive at an agency, and I was the liaison between our client and the agency. So I had one big client that I worked with. They would tell me what they wanted. I would advise them on how they should market and advertise that. And then I would take that idea to our design team and have them create the vision that the customer, our client, my client had. This is a very difficult job. Advertising and marketing is very difficult. Yeah, it is. Um, because sometimes things get lost in translation. And what the design team creates is not what the customer had in mind. So for a little over a year, almost a year and a half, I spent every single day trying to communicate and create a vision that I was just hearing words of this and trying to translate it into something for a creative design team to make an advertisement out of or an idea out of. And again, that's very difficult to do. So this is actually what had me take my leap from that marketing and advertising agency and join John here on the EO Fire team. I was in a meeting, and this was a project that we had been working on for months. And I had put my blood, sweat, and tears into trying to make this project a success. And I remember being in a conference room on a call with our client, and I was reviewing what we had created. And I got torn to shreds. I mean, 
totally I, I was brought to tears i left the room actually in the middle of the meeting in tears oh. um and you know that was a very difficult moment for me because i had put so much into creating this and it just got ripped apart but i'm very grateful for that because it showed me that I shouldn't be doing that anymore, that that was not the right position for me to be in at that time. And that is the moment that I pinpoint when I said, I can't do this job anymore. And I ended up leaving that job and joining uh, John here at EO Fire. Wow, what a story. Hey, I think it's a very difficult place to be between the designers and the company that yeah. wanted to make more and more money and between the clients. It is so difficult. So now tell us about uh, the story of your greatest, most significant success as a result of the right customer focus or something that uh, you did write about approaching your customers. Mm. Well, you know, we're so lucky and I'm so grateful to have a lot of great examples of this in our work here at EO Fire. And, you know, most recently I, I talked about us launching the Mastery Journal. And last year, just about one year ago, we launched a similar journal called the Freedom Journal. And that was a guide to help people set and accomplish their number one goal in 100 days. We created a private Facebook group for the people who bought these journals because we knew how important it would be to create this platform for like-minded people to come together, help support one another, provide feedback to one another, um, hold one another accountable to accomplishing the goals that they had set. So this platform takes a lot of work to continue that engagement and to create a space where people feel comfortable sharing you know, what can sometimes be very personal goals. And for me, being in that group, engaging and managing and running and providing for that community every single day provides so much encouragement and makes me so happy for what it is that we're creating because every single day without fail, I can go into that group and I see posts from people who have purchased the Freedom Journal and even Though we just launched the Mastery Journal, people are already posting about the Mastery Journal and talking about how these two journals have changed their life, how they've helped them for the first time in their life accomplish a goal that they set 20 years ago and that they've never been able to accomplish. But with the help of an accountability partner, with the help of a guide, they've been able to make this happen. And that is very fulfilling and really such an honor to be a part of that and to provide that platform for people. So that just, you know, has me excited every single day. Again, we're very lucky and very grateful to, you know, have these amazing platforms with this wonderful community because it really is the customers and the people within these communities who create this, you know, we give the platform, but if we didn't have people on the other end, it wouldn't exist, right? So um, this is a very amazing loop of encouragement and inspiration every single day. Wow, it sounds great. And actually, there is such a difference between what you felt and described as a failure and the feeling that you are having today. It's exactly what you moved to your entrepreneurial or joined John Falls. So it's so excited to hear that it is working. Yeah, thank you. So true. I mean, 
the way that I would describe my work then and my work now is is just worlds of difference. Before we say goodbye, I want to use the final questions of uh, someone who is my inspiration for podcast, as you well know, John Lee Dumas from EO Fire. <laughs> and he always asks, and I like this question so much, so he asks you, and I want to ask you as well, for your last piece of guidance for our listeners, what they can take with them at the end of this conversation, and what is the best way to connect with you? Absolutely. So uh, my last piece of advice that I would give is just start. You're probably feeling overwhelmed, some fear, wondering if this is the right thing for you to do. Just take the first step, just one step at a time, and you will reach your goal. So just go for it. And everything we do is over at eofire.com. That's great. And uh, Rachel Miss listeners, we'd love to share your thoughts about the show or any questions that you might have for Kate. You're welcome to look for us and to look for these show notes at richormiss.com. And thank you, Kate. It has been a pleasure, really. Thank you so much, Hayu. This is the end of our special episode. I hope you enjoyed it and can't wait to read your feedbacks and responses. So please leave us your comments. We would love hearing your thoughts. Next week, we will have a new guest. So I meet you there. And in the meantime, I wish you and all your beloved ones to stay healthy and safe. Bye. And for you, our listeners, until the next time, it all goes down to this. You either reach or miss. Keep reaching your goals and vision. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur. You can find all the information, links, and resources that was mentioned at the show in our website, reachormiss.com. See you next week.